good seeing everybody here, and uh, trust and pray that uh, you've had a good week this past week. And uh, I was, uh, when I was doing my meet and greet, uh, well, one brother that's all the way from the north country of Toledo. I said, man, what brings you down here? He had a good reason why. I ain't going to say why, but, you know, it's a good reason. And, uh, and a young man, I think I met him Friday night at the uh, football game. I was, we had the senior night, and we were down on the field getting ready to line up to go walk through of all parents who have seniors involved in all the various programs of the high school, of which marching band is one of them. We got to walk across the field, and they announced the parents and daughter's name. But this young man saw me, and he says, Hey, I know you. And I said, you do? He says, yeah, you're the preacher. You're the, the, the guy over there at Cornerstone. I said, yes, sir. He said, I think we'll be at your church Sunday. I said, really? I said, all righty. Is it, I will say Luke. Is that it? Not Luke. What is it? Luke. I was right. It's a rare time that I get a name right, Luke. I usually mess up people's names, but you made an impression on me. But anyway, Luke is here today. Good seeing everybody here. Amen? Amen. And uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, you never know people who know you. More people know me than I know them. So if, if I forget your name, it's not because uh, you didn't make an impression. I just don't. I just don't. Names, I, I've got to get better at that. i got to get somehow associated. But I can remember Lucas. He saw me at the football game. And he plays football, so I told him to let me know the next time they have a game over there at the, back behind the high school, and I would do my best to come check him out. All right? I said, are you any good, brother? And he said, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, hey, if you, if you don't think you're good, nobody else will, you know. So, but yeah, it's all good. So it's good seeing everybody here. Well, this is a good passage of scripture. I mean, it's got so much stuff in here. I was looking at this this week, and I was just like, Wow. On the backdrop of what uh, Jesus had just did in chapter 4, when the official officer had asked Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus just simply said, go, your son is healed. I don't know about you, but one of the things you ought to be doing as we're going through the book of John is highlighting those single commands, those single word phrases that Jesus talks to these different individuals with, because it's all throughout this book, you're going to find out it doesn't take a lot of words for Jesus to do something. All he told the official was, go. You know what? Go. You are here doing whatever it is you're doing. And the, uh, some of the commentators were saying that after Jesus had told the official to go, he still stayed in the city to finish whatever business he had. And then he went on his way. And as he was on his way back home, that's when his servant said, by the way, yesterday about such and such an hour, your son was healed. Today, we have almost the same situation going on, and there's a lot of nuances to this, but in John chapter 5, the Gospel of John chapter 5, it says, after these things, after, there, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. We don't know how much time transpires between what happened in John chapter 4 and what happens in John chapter 5, but we do know this, that some time has transpired transpired by the time we get to chapter 5. So it's not like he did that and then he immediately took off. Because you notice what he says, after this, after some time had passed, there was a feast. We're not told what feast there was. We're just told that there was a feast. Now some think it could have been the Feast of Tabernacles. Some believe it could be the Feast of Booths. But whatever it is, is one of those feasts 
where the Jewish men were required to go to. And Jesus, being a good Jewish man, would have made his way to the feast to, to pay respect and do honor because that's what was expected of him by him being a Jew. So he goes there. All the males were there. And, and, and notice if this was a, at the time of a feast, there were a lot of people that would have been in the city. This isn't one of those things where only a few people show up. A whole lot of people are going to be there to celebrate whatever feast there's going on. So he's there at the city. He's in Jerusalem. And there are a lot of people there. Now, we're also told in the next few verses a specific place. We, we, we just talked about the setting. Now we're talking about the place. And it lets us know that there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roof colonnades. So we talked about the setting. Now we're saying about the place. It's at the Sheep Gate. This is the same Sheep Gate that is mentioned, I believe, in Nehemiah chapter 3, where the sheep would come into the city as they were getting to be prepared for sacrifice, okay? So they're at the Sheep Gate. They're there in this city called, or place called Bethesda, which can mean house of mercy or a house of outpouring. So there's Jesus. There he is at this place. It has five colonnades or five roof patios across this whole complex. So it's like patio, patio, five of them stretched across. And in this place called Bethesda, in this place where people who were, were told who in these in these places lay a multitude, not just a few, but a whole lot of people who were invalids. They were lame, they were blind, and they were paralyzed. And they're gathered at this place called Bethesda. Now, I don't want to throw a wrench into your theological thinking, but the part of chapter of verse 3, and there is no Verse 4, in some translations, in the King James, it may have verse 4. It talks about there was an angel that stirred the water and all that. And, and more correctly, that part of the translation is really not listed in more accurate translations because it was written as an aside, a footnote that was put into the original. It's not in the original manuscript at all. But it gives us some information. We really don't need it because we're told why these people here are here at Bethesda. So you're given that so that you might better understand what this was all about. And understand this. When it talks about the reason why they were there in verse 4, for those of you who have that translation, it, it, it's, it was a superstition not based on fact. Because at this place called Bethesda, there was some water and verse 4, and really you don't need it because we're told what, what it was all about in verse 7. But the reason why is added as a footnote because they said they all gather, all these people, you're sick, you're lame, you're blind, you're paralyzed people are all at this place because they believed that whenever, once a year, once every so often, there was a stirring of the water. There's a little bubbles coming up and they said, ha-ha, it's done by an angel of the Lord. And when we see that bubbling water coming up, we know that the angel of the Lord is going to come, and the first person to get to that water will be healed. Now, get, catch the picture. We're talking about blind people. Now, how are they going to see you when the water stirred? I mean, they hear it, but they, they won't know it necessarily. 
You're talking about lame people, so you got people who can't really walk, and you got people who are completely paralyzed. They can't move at all, and yet they're expected to get into the water this, at certain times when they hear, see, or know that the water's being stirred. And the very first one to get there is healed, which when I thought about this, just as an aside, all of these people that sometimes we watch on television that claim they can heal folks. I have something to say about some of these people. If you've got that kind of power, go to Clinton Memorial Hospital, Miami Valley, Christ Hospital, wherever you want to go, and just clean out all those hospitals. Because what we're going to find out, and here's what they usually say, if you don't get healed or you don't get well. They say, well, the reason why you didn't get well, brother pastor, if you're sick, is because you really did not believe. This passage of scripture is going to refute all those people that say, well, the reason why you didn't get blessed, Sister Mariana, the reason why God didn't answer your prayer is because you really don't believe. Catch what happens. All these people are at Bethesda, at the pool, waiting to be healed. And I like this. Here's all these people. Verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Of all the people that are at this place, the Bible says one man has been there for 38 years. The identity of one. Okay? We have the setting, we have the place, and now we have the identity of the one. One invalid, 38 years. That's a long time. Some of us don't even have patience for today, let alone wait for 38 long years. And he's part of the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And he knows, he's known from day one of all these 38 years that if he can just get into the water, he could be healed. So he's been waiting 38 years. The old timers would say about God, he may not come when you want him, but God is what? Always right on time. See, God's time and our time are two different things. There could be somebody who's single here today, and they want to be they, they, they think they have the gift of marriage. And they, they think to themselves, self, now, I don't see anything on the horizon. And I know I should trust you, but I've been praying about this for a while, and so far, nothing's happened. So let me help you out, God. You know, you might have a financial situation, and you're like, it's getting worse instead of better, and I don't know, and you think, I need to just go ahead and do whatever. And God said, no, 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 trust, trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. Well, I've been trusting, but ain't nothing happening. I need a new car. I need whatever it is. 38 years waiting for the miracle to happen. What was going through his mind? I mean, after the first year, you go, okay, I know I'm not the first one now, but next year will be my time. Next year, I'm going to be the one that's going to get in that water before anybody else does. Two years, four years, 10 years, 15 years. You know, it's been 15 years 
I'm laying here by the pool, and I can't get in because every time I try, somebody does it before I do. 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. We're at year 38, and he has not made it to the water yet. What is going in his mind? What would go through your mind? 38 years waiting to get to the water to be healed. But what did I just say a moment ago? God may not come when you want him, but he's what? Right on time. Here it is, verse 6. Verse 6 says, when Jesus, you got to highlight that, when Jesus, amen, the all-knowing Savior, when Jesus, in verse 6, saw him lying there, he already had known that he had been there a long time. When Jesus knows about you. Okay? When Jesus knows. He already, he has the perception. He's walking. He's coming into this place. He's walking into this place called Bethesda. And when he sees this one man of all the multitudes of invalids and lame, blind, and he notices one man. What's so special about this one? Nothing really, because there's a, somebody else could say, I've been here for 40 years, I've been here for 50, whatever it is. 38 years was a long time to live in those, in that, back in that biblical time. If you lived to 38, you lived a long life. Life expectancy back in those days was very short. So the fact that he's 38 spoke well that he had survived that long. We got people, my wife's grandmother's been around the world how long? 99 years young. She don't look like no 99, and she definitely don't act like no 99. I mean, if, we, if, they, if they would let her, she'd still be driving around and doing her thing, driving to Columbus. Oh, do it. I'm like, you need to slow your roll, you know? She's, that's how, she's, hey, it looks good. 38 years, and Jesus walks through, and he sees of all the same lame, blind, parallel, he notices one man. What's so special about this one guy? Nothing. Nothing at all. Now, it says he knew he had been there a long time. Whether it was Jesus, somebody had said, by the way, Jesus, see that guy over there? He's been there for 38 years. Or I'd rather believe because he is God that he knows all. When he saw this guy, he says, well, you know what? As God, I know he's been there quite a long while. Here's what Jesus does. When Jesus. When Jesus. When Jesus sees this man. He just asks him a simple question. This is what I tell you. You need to highlight these little one-word phrases or a couple-word phrases that Jesus says. He asks him a question. Do you want to be healed? What kind of question is that? The man's been there for 38 years, wanting to get into the water, hasn't been able to get to the water, in walks Jesus, notices this one man, and asks him a simple question. Hey, dude, you want, be, you want to be made healed? Oh, do you want to be healed? Duh! Yes, I've been trying to get to That's why I'm here. I've been here 38. What do you think? Do you want to be healed? No, he didn't know who Jesus was. All he knows is Jesus walking by, and this, this, this guy who, doesn't, who he does not know, does not recognize. See, we get the idea that everywhere Jesus walked to, every time Jesus, people, that's, that's God. 
That's the Son of God walking by. He, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know. All he knows is there's this guy who's asked me probably a dumb question. That's a dumb question. Do I, do I want to be healed? What do you think? Yes, I've been here for 38 years. Jesus just asked the question. Do you want to be healed? This man is just like everybody else that we talked about. Nicodemus didn't get the point. Oh, wait a minute, be born again. Oh, wait a minute, do I have to enter a second time into my mother's womb? Missed the point. The lady at the well, missed the point. Water, where can I find this water? They will never run down. I can have this living water to reside that I'll never thirst again. Where can I find this water? Missed it. Missed it entirely. This guy misses it again. That's why it's not a mystery. That's why people say, Pastor, I don't know how you do it. Here's how I do it. If they didn't understand Jesus, who was there in the flesh talking to them, the very word of God, is it any mystery why some of us miss the very things of God that comes from the word of God? Well, wait a minute, Pastor. That's a whole new, that's a whole new paradigm. That's a whole, we never thought about this. We never, we never considered this. I'm not amazed that people say that to me on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning or a Sunday morning worship. That's not, that doesn't blow my mind at all because the same thing that you're doing to me sometimes when you say, I don't get that. I don't agree with that. I don't think you're right, Pastor. I don't see that. I don't see what the Bible talks about that. The same way you do that is the same way they did Jesus. He says, do you want to be healed? The man says, well, well wait a minute. Let me give you some information here, sir. The sick man answers and said, sir, uh, dude, man, um, I have no one to put me into the water when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. This is God talking to a guy, asking him, do you want to be healed? And he comes up with the most lame excuse because he's thinking naturally from a human perspective, not a divine perspective. Got it? Because if he just had known who it was that was talking to him, you don't, you don't know who you, like the woman at the well, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who just asked you, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? You don't know who you're talking to, man. I don't, listen, he does like we do. Jesus asks us a question, do you want to be saved? Do you want to live for God? And then we come up with, well, Sir, uh, there are things in my life that aren't right right now. I got some sins in my life. There's some things I'm doing that, that I need to get squared away before I ever come to Jesus. That's not what Jesus asks. He asks, he, he stands at the door and knocks and says, do you want salvation to come to your house? He didn't ask you, well, I got some things going on. I like to do some things that I know really aren't right and I really need to get right with God before I can do. God does not care about all that. That's our problem. This man wants to be healed, needs to be healed, and he doesn't understand who it is that just talked to him, just ask him, sir, I, I, do you, I need somebody to pick me up and put me in the water when the water is stirred. I haven't been able to do it. I have, I have no man. I have no one to put me into the water. Pity party. Violence. 
That's what we do with God so many times. We have violin parties and pity parties. Woe is me. If anybody just understands, nobody understands me. God, they just don't understand me. I'm just so lonely. I'm just all by myself. I No, you're never alone. One thing, you have Jesus. And the other thing, even if you don't think Jesus is around, God puts people in our life. You may not be aware of it. There are people in, if, you're, if you think you're all alone and nobody cares about you, that's your problem. Not, that's, you need to get that out of your mind. Because there are people that care about you. There are people that when you're not around, they go, well, we're so-and-so. And if you feel that way, it's like people who say they have no friends. The reason why you don't have any friends, because the Bible says the reason why you don't have friends is because you need to be friendly. Amen? Show yourself friendly. Put yourself out there. Well, Pastor, I'm not that kind of an outgoing person. Well, be that outgoing person. Just get out there and not crazy like everybody else does. You don't have friends. Because there's a funny, let me tell you something. God will match you up with another crazy person just like you. He'll say, well, you know what? There's another guy that acts just like, hey, you, you need to go over here and talk to this person. And you start talking to him, you go, ooh, they're just as crazy as I am. They're just as nuts as I am. Let me tell you something. When I first started working at UPS on my illustrious career, I was the most outgoing guy. But I learned very quickly that I had to ask questions and I had to be outgoing because I was dealing with people in the public. If I was lost or didn't know what apartment I was going to, it makes no sense to walk around an apartment building trying to find the right place when I never may find it, when I got a hundred other places to go to, I need to, excuse me, is this apartment so-and-so? Is it, do you, well, no. Do you know Hurt Scott Labyrinth? Well, no, I don't know him. Okay. You don't think he lives here? No. Yeah, you learn very quickly. Ask questions. Talk to people. Be friendly. Which would you rather go? When you go to the store, do you want the person, you go out to eat, do you want your waitress to be friendly? And not, hi, welcome to Applebee's. We're so happy to have, you know, and they just, they just make you feel so welcome. They come by, they check on you, and they say, by the way, we got a special going on today. I know you want to buy the, the two separate meals, but if you do this, you get the same meals for the price of one. And I go to myself, thank you. You're going to get a nice tip because you just saved me a whole lot of money. And they, they, they're, they're so friendly. They, they just so welcome me. Would you rather go there or do you want to go to a place where the first thing the person, yeah, Hi. And then they walk, you get you to the table and it takes them 10 minutes to bring your water. And they're thinking, where's my water? And then after they get you your water, they just set the water on the table. And, you know, they come, okay. It's like the, like, the, like the TV show with the girl chewing the gum. Guy chewing the gum. Okay, what do you want? Is that where you want to be at? And then you look at the glass, you go, ooh, this glass is kind of dirty. Then you look at your silverware. Oh, my goodness. Is that where? No, you want to be in a nice, friendly place. And that's what we need to be. Be friendly. This guy doesn't understand. In God's economy, he's already answered most of our questions. We just got to know who we're talking to. Here it is. Nutshell. Oh, I'd have no one to bring me to put me in the water. Now, maybe he thought, since he didn't know who Jesus was, Maybe he's going to be the one that's going to stay with me. And the next time the water stirred, this guy, because he just asked me if I want to be healed, maybe he's going to stay. And the next time the water is stirred up, he's going to pick me up and put me in the water, and I'm going to get healed. 
Maybe he thought that. I mean, apparently nobody else had offered to heal him or say, hey, we're going to help you get into the water first. That's right, brother. Every man for himself and God for us all. You know, like, you know, well, you know what? It's like having a fire. You know, or the husbands and the wives, the, 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 there's a fire in the house. The husband takes off and leaves, and the kids and the wife are still stuck in the house. Where's your family? Oh, that's right. That's what he's doing here. Maybe this guy's going to help me be the guy that's going to get in the water. Don't know. He says, but sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And by the way, while I'm trying to get there, because I'm in this condition, I, I really can't move that fast. While I'm trying to get there, somebody else always steps down before me. I love Jesus. Because in verse 8, Jesus just says to him, you know, I, I, what, what does Jesus think about our, our thinking sometimes? All the excuses. What does he say? I wonder what, I wonder what he thinks. He's like, I didn't ask you. And I don't care about nobody picking you up and putting you in the water. Don't need nobody pick you up. Let me, let, me get, let me show you. Aren't you glad God sometimes overlooks our silliness, overlooks our inconsistency, overlooks our bias and prejudices, and says, you know what, I could care less. And that's how God is. He really doesn't care what you and I think. Not at all. You know how I know that? Look what he told By the way, Mr. and Mrs., I need God. I have to help God out because God doesn't know what he's doing. Where were you when I spoke the world into existence? Uh-huh. All right. Mr. Know-it-all, Mrs. Know-it-all, where were you when I said, let there be and there was? I didn't need you to tell me, oh, by the way, God, I think it'd be great if you made some giraffes. I, God, I think it'd be great if we had some nice big elephants. I like elephants. Lord, I think it'd be great if we had, he didn't ask any of us any question. He just created and said, let there be, and there was. If he could do that, there's nothing too hard for God. Here's what Jesus says. I don't care about what, what you have just said is insignificant because who I am. What he says is really simple. Jesus said to him, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. And when I get ready to get to the water, somebody's always getting in the water before I am. Jesus said to him, get up. Get up! Get up! Take up your bed and walk. That's what he said. And all three of those phrases are in a command. It wasn't like, okay, it's time to get up now. No. Get up! Take up your bed and walk. He's speaking to a guy that has never walked in his life. You don't know what walking is. Excuse me. What do you? He didn't even ask him, do you understand what I just said? He just, at his word, at the voice of who he is, he just simply said, get up. Take up your bed and walk. No more discussion. He ain't, say, he ain't waiting for you and I to say, well, wait a minute. Did you actually just say get up? Read my, listen to what I'm telling you. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. What's this, what, what would be the guy's response? Uh, hold it. Nobody put me in the water. Wait a minute. 
did you just say get up? And did you just say take up this bed that I've been carrying? Not bed like we think about. More like a pallet made out of straw. Sort of like a sleeping bag, kind of flat, you know, that you can roll up and carry. So, you know, got to be careful when people read stuff in the Bible. A bed? Was it a king size or, or, or a queen size or twin? No, he ain't talking about that kind of bed. A little pallet, a little small thing that you can take, like, like, I, like I just said, like a sleeping bag. Roll it up. Get up. If you've been lying on your behind for 38 years, you waiting for somebody to put you in this water, you could say, well, hold time out. You really are you telling me to get up? No, he didn't even ask that. He just did what? He did what the Lord told him. At the command of Jesus, he got up, he took up his bed, and he walked. And my challenge to all of us today is some of us need to get up, take up our bed, and walk. That's what we need to do. Just do what the Lord wants you to do. You ain't got to be lying around. Well, you know what? I was sick, and I, and, I just don't, and I just don't feel like I can do it. Garbage. You do, we do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. We do everything else. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to God speaking to you, see, God's not going to come in a, in a cloud. God's not going to write on the wall. God speaks to us now through his spirit and through the word of God. So many people are, Lord, if it's your will that I come to church, that's a foolish prayer. You're praying, your prayer is not biblical. You gotta ask the Lord, is it his will? He's already told you in his word. He says, come to the house of God. What if it's your will that I do? If it's your no, he's already, well, he's already revealed to us that, he, that we're supposed to do. We're simply just to do it. He tells this individual, get up, command. Take up, command. And walk, command. The response of this man is what it should be with us. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus spoke it, he did it. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Is Jesus speaking to you today? Is he telling you to get up? Is he telling you to take up your bed? Is he telling you to walk? What are you waiting for? Be like this man. And at once. Not no time delay. Not, well, Lord, uh, I think I need. Look, if you've been waiting 30 years and somebody tells you to get up, I would say you should get up. I mean, makes sense to me. You want to, he asked him the question, do you want to be healed? Well, yes. Well, then get up. You want a better family? Well, then do what the Lord wants you to do. Husbands, be what God asks you to be from the word of God. Where husbands are wise, if you want to be a better wife, if, you, if you're looking for an answer, if you're looking for a be what God wants you to be. You be the best person in Christ that you can be in. Whatever it is that you want, God will answer your prayer. Right. I need a husband. Well, great. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Some people, I can't believe he said he needs a husband or she needs. Ain't nothing wrong with a husband or wife. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Just make sure the guy you get is the right guy. Say, Lord, bring into my life. Help me to be the best person I can be so that you can bring into my life the person you want me to have. And that's great. Then that's what we should do. He got up. He walked. And took his bed. 
So there's a problem. Great miracle. Man, the guy got up. He's walking. Wait. Wow. Great. Fantastic. Not so fast. The rest of the verse says, now that day was the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, we've got these people who are throwing cold water on your parade. You come to church excited on fire and they throw cold water on your fire. They put the cover over your fire so it's snuffed out. Jesus did this in front of everybody. This is a massive crowd that's there at this time, and everybody's watching, seeing what's going on, because evidently there's a lot of people, and they all had the same need. And this one guy comes out of the whole crowd and says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? And the guy is healed. And the guy, many people, over 38 years, a lot of people knew who he was. Yep. There's old George over there. Man, George's been here for 38 years. Can you you just think he would just give up. Forget it. You ain't, dude, you ain't going to make it. You can't walk. You can't. Nobody going to think I'm going to pick up your behind. Are you crazy? No, 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 no. You just, you, this is, you, okay. And Jesus does it at the voice of his command. But it's on a, a day that the religious folks don't like because the Jewish, the Pharisees, had so many rules and regulations about what the Sabbath is. Let me say this. We do not celebrate the Sabbath day. That's a Jewish holiday. That's a Jewish day, which is the seventh day, first day of the week. For them, it'll be Saturday. We celebrate the Lord's Day, which is on a Sunday, the first day of the week. Saturday is a Jewish, from Friday sundown to Saturday. That's when they, that's the Sabbath for a, a, a well-respected Jew. We, do, we as New Testament saints do not celebrate Sabbath. We honor what we call the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week, which is the first day when Jesus got up out of the grave with all power of heaven. This is, this is it. This is the first day of the week. Not Monday, Sunday. See, most of us, because we have to work, we think the first day of the week is Monday. No, no, the first day of the week is today. Now, I will grant you that the Lord had the Sabbath established for the Jewish nation to be a mark for them to be different. Now, if you're telling me that you're calling Sunday a Sabbath in the sense that we're setting Sunday aside from all other things, then I may be able to say, okay, in the light of your, in other words, the Sabbath day would be this. No ball games, no running to the mall, no fishing, no all these things that we do six other days of the week. We are saying to God, as a New Testament saint, this is your day, Lord. And some people will carry it to the extreme. See, we don't do this because as soon as I finish in about two minutes, you're going to get home, get dressed, get relaxed, and we're out doing what we want to do. But back in the old days, Sunday met. You stayed in your Sunday to go meet and close. You would come to church in the morning, and typically you would have a church service in the afternoon or maybe in the evening, 6 o'clock. And you would stay dressed up. You didn't go home and put on your jeans or your shorts or your polo shirts and get comfortable, get relaxed, get ready to watch football and all that. Other. No, 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 no. It was dedicated to the Lord. And in the old, old days, 
They would be gathered around the table not watching football. They would be studying and reading the word of God because back in the day, back in the 17 and 16 and 17, 1800s, the pastor would come by every now and then to visit you. Not to say, hey, I'm here to have a Super Bowl party with you, but I want to know what you know about the Bible. A little catechizing going on here. Explain to me, brother and sister, about what does it mean to be holy? Define for me what righteousness really means. Define for me, what, how are we, how do we know we're saved? All the various questions that we all should know. And if I would start to come around your house and start asking you about some of these things, you would be like, you know what, uh, we, we hide, hide, hide. Shh, shh. Don't answer the door. It's pastor. And he says he's coming out to ask, just Pray that the dog doesn't bark. Pray that the, that no sound, the phone doesn't go off or any. Close the curtains. Am I saying that's where we should go to? No, but I'm just saying Sunday ought to be a special day. The problem with this day is that the Jews took it to the extreme. Uh, this is the Sabbath day. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Why? It's the Sabbath day. Well, wait a minute. This guy has a need. You're telling me I can't do what's right because it's, quote, a day separated. So my, let me get this straight. My car doesn't start. And I'm not supposed to go get it jumped or try to get it fixed so I can drive my car? No. Let me understand this. I'm not to need any bread because it's the Sabbath day? That would be correct. No kneading, no flouring, no frying, all because what? Sabbath. That's, how, that's where they went to with this. And this chapter 5 starts the whole march of the Pharisees now going against Jesus. First thing they want to put on him is that he healed on the Sabbath. That's his first strike. As we get to the rest of the chapter, then it's going to be strike two, strike three, because all of a sudden they start hearing him tell him, oh, wait a minute, I and the Father are one. Excuse me, are you equating yourself equal with God? Yes. When you've seen the Father, you see me. When you see me, you see the Father. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. You can't tell me. You can't tell us you're equal with God. Uh-uh. Jesus said, yes, I am. That's what the whole book of John is about. That we might what? Know that Jesus is the Son of God. Three miracles. He's already. There are three signs in this book. We're sign number three. The first sign was water changed to wine. Oh, never seen that before. Second sign was what? Nick, the nobleman's son. We just talked about that last week. And the third sign is what he just did here today, healing the invalid. But through this book, seven things, among all the other things that Jesus did, that points to this is the Son of God. Amen? Oh, I love this story because... It speaks to who we are. But when they saw him, they realized, he realized. And yet, up to this point, he's still not a believer. Because he gets up and walks doesn't mean he knows Jesus and he's saved. He ain't got to that part yet. He just knows he got healed. That's why all the people tell me that all you got to do is walk down the aisle, say, I want to be a believer, I'm saved, and then you're there. No. Mm -mm. Because all the people that you, uh, we're going to talk about, that we have talked about, they did, they saw Jesus do the miracles. They said they believed, but they did not believe unto salvation. 
They believe because he did some great things. As long as my stomach is fed, I got water being drinking, and I'm, 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 on the tail, I'm riding the coattails of a guy who's popular, they didn't believe in Jesus and who he was. They just wanted to ride his coattails because they saw all the things he was doing. We follow you, Lord. He said, well, they call him Lord. That doesn't mean he was their Lord and Savior. And even now, this guy, because he got healed, took up his bed and walked, he doesn't believe in Jesus as we know what faith is in Christ. Yet, now he may get there. You have to read the rest of the chapter to find that out. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that at your word, at your voice, you could speak to us on the need street of our life. I don't know what your people need today. Only you really know. But whether it's a simple command of get up, take up, or walk. Whether it's the command of go, and your situation has already been taken care of. Whatever it is, Lord, speak to our needs. And we thank you for what you're going to do in all of our lives. Bless us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.